All right, now it's time. I was going to be over the front of the room, excited to preach. I love being here. I'm so encouraged to see all of you here, you know. I just hope that one day my kids are sitting in a room like this one at college, like trying to figure out what Jesus says and what they believe. Um, I love that. I'm really encouraged by y'all. So thanks for being here. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a big weekend for a lot of people in this room. Uh, so I just want to acknowledge like whether you're the person who is like elated that you've just joined the organization you wanted to, or you're the person who's kind of had got some hard emotions around that, or you're the person that's like, why would I go Greek? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Whoever you are, whatever you're bringing into the room, whatever you're feeling, I'm glad you're here. And I want this to be a chance where you can take all of that, whatever you're feeling, and bring it to God's word and hopefully be encouraged. Hopefully find some new hope, some fresh hope, and feel like you belong here. And I feel like you belong here. So thanks for being here. Uh, what RUF is, there's some new people in the room tonight. So what RUF is, is a nationwide, worldwide campus ministry, a Christian ministry on college campuses. And we exist on this campus to introduce you to Jesus and help you to serve him. So whether or not you've never been to church or you've been going to church for your entire life, this is a place for you, hopefully for you to be equipped to see Jesus in his word and follow him more closely. My name is um, Willis Weatherford. I'm the campus pastor with RUF, which means my full-time role in life, apart from being a dad and a father, uh, is to be here with you guys and walk alongside you hopefully help you to see Jesus and wrestle with him in his word and follow him. And I love doing that. I love being here. So thanks for, uh, I guess, allowing and cooperating me to be on your campus with you. Um, The main thing, though, I want you to know about me is that I'm not a good person. I'm not a good person, but Jesus loves me and he loves you. And I believe that changes everything. And every night, every week, Not every night, but every week, every Tuesday night, that's what we're going to look at and try to focus in on is the love of Jesus for you and and how that changes things. It isn't just some weird abstract idea, but it's actually life-changing truth. So tonight, we're kind of introducing our series for the spring. Have you ever visited a different country and as soon as you get there, you're like, oh man, this is, I should have been born here. Like, this is pretty great. For me, the experience like that was I went to Ecuador and I went there to climb some like dormant volcanoes, just mountains. But as soon as I step off the plane and like the, the smells and the weird tra- transportation situations and like the food and the culture is like so friendly and hospitable and the people that we stayed with. And of course, like the scenery is gorgeous and you've got like the ocean right here and the mountains right here. It was awesome. And I kind of felt like maybe I should have been born in Ecuador. And I never knew that. How would I have known that until I visited until I saw it. And in a part of the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus gave this sermon on a mountain to a bunch of people, it's in Matthew 5-7, through Jesus takes us on a little tour of his kingdom. A tour of the kingdom of God that he came to proclaim and inaugurate and invite us into. And he shares his vision, his portrait of this kingdom with us so that we'll want to go there. So that we'll want to belong to it and live according to that culture. 
And he says some pretty incredible things about what life is like in his kingdom. Some of what he said is beautifully countercultural. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Some of what he said is familiar. You've probably heard this before. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Some of what he said is really hard to accept. He said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. How are you supposed to live that out? Some of what he said is revolutionary. You've heard us that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It's on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, the golden rule, the parable of the houses built on the rock and on the sand. We're going to look at all of that. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' clearest and most succinct summary of the culture of his kingdom. And he shares it to make us long to be a part of it, to, to get this vision of his kingdom that is so much more compelling than the very good and beautiful things that you're working towards right now in your lives. And I'm not saying that we have to abandon this world in order to enter the kingdom of Jesus. He wants us to live in it right here right now, in our lives, in our world, but to have a primary allegiance, a primary sense of like the most beautiful thing in the world, the highest good is his kingdom, not this one. So what? Why should you care enough to come back to large group each week this spring as I preach through the Sermon on the Mount? Two reasons. Okay, first, the main problem, I think, here's my theory, I think the main problem people at WNL students have with Christianity is that the culture we Christians live out and demonstrate and show with our lives is not like the kingdom of heaven. I think that's the main problem people have with Christianity. I don't think it's about social issues. I don't think it's about theology, usually. I don't think it's usually about the existence of God. I think it's about us. We just don't act like Jesus. Did you know that WNL has its own culture? I can actually prove it to you. WNL has a very specific culture, totally different from other college campuses. I was reading the Wall Street Journal yes, just literally yesterday morning. And I'm reading, it's on my phone, scrolling down. And it's this article about like wealth and the effects of wealth on psychology and does it make people happier or not. And it like kind of profiles like four or five people who like made a lot of money and then took a recent pay cut and kind of like how that affected their life. And I see this one guy and his photo the way he was dressed, the job that he had, um, where he was from, and like a couple of the quotes that they quoted him as saying, I was like, that guy went to WNL. And then I went and Googled him, 2014, played lacrosse, WNL. <laughs> so I'm like, WNL's got a culture. It's very recognizable, right? And like, obviously, this room is so full of so many different people from different places, and you're going to go out and do different things, but there is a prevailing culture, and you might not like it. 
You might have issues with it. You might have beef with the culture here, or you might love it and be in the center of it and be like, we don't have a culture, it's just normal. It's not normal. It's definitely not culture. <laughs> but in, in any case, like there is a culture, a current, and it's pushing you somewhere. And you might hate that or you might love it, but we're all riding in that. And my point is, the main problem people have with Christianity is how our Christian culture here and sometimes our WNL culture and our Christian culture are all mixed up together. It looks so little like the culture described in the Sermon on the Mount. And that problem, that, that beef that people have has always been this way. Um, kind of a famous story here. A Christian missionary in India during the Indian independence movement, E. Stanley Jones, some old missionary guy, he meets with uh, the Hindu civil rights leader Mahatma Gandhi, right? And he asks him, I'm quoting from his book here. He says, Mr. Gandhi, though you quote the words of Christ often, why is it that you appear to so adamantly reject becoming his follower? Gandhi replied, oh, I don't reject Christ. I love Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike Christ. Man, does that cut you a little bit? <laughs> it's true. We're the problem here. We're not really very much like Jesus. We don't live like him. And half the time, we convince ourselves that like the way we live is actually like the Christian culture. Like, yeah, I'm kind of doing it. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is giving us the wake-up call that we need. But it's a beautiful wake-up call. It's not like a, you know, a cup of cold water on the face. It's beautiful. It's going to win your heart over because his kingdom is so good, so rich, so beautiful. So, second reason to come back each week this spring as we preach the Sermon on the Mount. Growing and living out the culture of the kingdom of God is our most effective witness and evangelism to the lost. It's our most effective way of drawing in and inviting people to Jesus. So if you're a Christian, you're like, I want the people who don't know Jesus to know him and understand what he's about and experience him. This is the thing to focus on right here. Rosaria Butterfield was a professor of uh, feminist studies, women's studies, critical theory at Syracuse University a couple decades ago, maybe like a decade and a half ago. And uh, she was also a lesbian, and she had no interest in uh, following, being part of the church. She had really been hurt by Christians in the past. Everything about Christianity, the church, she was uninterested in. It seemed unintellectual, and it seemed hateful. And then a local Christian pastor invited her into, her into his home, not to try to debate with her, try to prove her wrong, just to befriend her. And he and his wife just had her over upon occasion. Sometimes they would talk about the faith. Sometimes they'd talk about other stuff, just being a good friend. And this, it's a long story, twists and turns. But she would say, in her book she does say, the primary thing that led her into, she's now a member of a very conservative Christian denomination, follower of Jesus, uh, the thing that led her into that is simply the friendship of Christians trying to love people like Jesus, right? Like, it's a big deal. This is a life-changing, a world-changing thing. We want to be Christians like that, but we are so embedded in our culture here, in the, also the cultures that you come from, and there's a lot of stuff going on, but we're so embedded in those cultures that we may not even be aware that Jesus is calling us into something different. We got work hard, play hard culture, Greek culture, Gen Z culture, culture of success, American culture, culture of whatever country you came from that's not America. There's so much noise, right? And it's easy to forget about 
what Jesus is all about. And so we have the chance this semester to sit at the feet of Jesus and imagine him speaking to us on this mountain, just saying, here's what my, sermon, here's what my kingdom is like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it feels like. Here's what people who belong to my kingdom do. You get to be his disciple in a focused way for the next 12 weeks as he pieces together this portrait of the culture of his kingdom. And it starts like this. It's the thing on your hand out there. This is the way he starts his sermon. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to, came to him. And when it says disciples, that's not like the 12 disciples. That's like a larger group. Anybody who wanted to listen to his teaching, his disciples. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're, if you're here and you're like, what, is it, what does the poor in spirit mean and how is that a good thing? Good, come back next week and, and the week after. We're going to be talking about this stuff. He preached this sermon because he loves his people. He loves you. He doesn't want you to be in the dark. He doesn't want you to just wonder, like, what, is Christianity about like feeling a certain way when I sing the songs? Is it about like giving away a bunch of money? Is it about being super holy and kind of pretending and like keeping my junk hid? Is it about like having kind of the picture-perfect Christian life and spouse and kid? Like, what is it about? He wants you to know. And so he shows it to you in this. So if you're a Christian, my hope for you this semester is that your concept of the faith would be refreshed, would be renewed as you come to just like dial in on the concentrated core of Christianity. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, where you're like on the fence with Christianity, my hope for you is that you would be welcomed, that you would experience in this room a little hint, little hints of what Jesus is actually talking about. And that as you see this portrait Jesus paints, part of you would be like, okay, I still got issues with Christianity, with Jesus, with the church, but I kind of want to be, I kind of want to be where people live like that. That's my hope for you. So yeah, I'm excited about this spring. It's going to be good. Come back next week. Thanks for being here. Let's pray. Father God, for this room, as, as we start our semester, we're like three, four days in here. Um, already so much has happened for so many people here. And Lord, I just want to lift them up to you as someone who cares about them, friends with many of them, and ask for, Lord, your gentleness, your blessing, your comfort, your healing and hope. Lord, that you would draw near to them by your Holy Spirit and help them to experience your presence in a new way. Remind them of the joy of their salvation. Remind them of the goodness of life. Remind them that the future is brighter than the past because you're a God of resurrection and redemption and healing. Lord, for the person here and here tonight who's in a dark, hard place, I just thank you so much for bringing them here tonight and ask, Lord, that you would come alongside them in a special way and be a friend, be a friend to them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to love one another, love our campus, and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can stand, we'll sing one more song.